0: by
1: gracious to all who have gone astray from your ways bring them again with penitent and hearts and steadfast faith to embrace and hold fast the unchangeable truth of your word through Jesus Christ your son our Lord who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit one God now and forever The scripture readings for this, the third Sunday in Lent, the Old Testament lesson from the 17th chapter of Exodus, verses 1 through 7. And all the congregation of the people of Israel moved on from the wilderness of sin by stages according to the commandment of the Lord, and they camped at Rephidim, but there was no water for the people to drink. And therefore the people quarreled with Moses, and they said, give us water to drink, and take in your hand the staff with which you struck the Nile, and go. Behold, I will stand before you there on the rock at Horeb, and you shall strike the rock, and water shall come out of it, and the people will drink. And Moses did so in the sight of the elders of Israel. And he called the name of the place Massah and Meribah because of the quarreling of the people of Israel. And because they tested the Lord by saying, is the Lord among us or not? O Lord, have mercy upon us. Thanks be to God. The epistle lesson from the fifth chapter of Romans, verses 1 through 8. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through him we have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand, and we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. More than that, we rejoice in our suffering, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope. O Lord, have mercy upon us. Thank you. Thanks be to God. <coughs> stand in respect of Christ, to whom the Holy Gospel is read. The Holy Gospel according to St. John, the fourth chapter. Jesus came to a town of Samaria called Sukkar, near the field that Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there. And so Jesus, wearied as he was from his journey, was sitting beside the well. It was about the sixth hour. And the woman said to him, "'Sir, you have nothing to draw water with, "'and the well is so deep. "'Where do you get that living water? "'Are you greater than our father Jacob? "'He gave us the well and drank from it himself, and "'as did his sons and his livestock.' And Jesus said to her, "'Everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again, "'but whoever drinks of the water that I will give him "'will never be thirsty forever.' The water that I will give him will become in him a spring of water welling up unto eternal life. And the woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I will not be thirsty or have to come here to draw water. And Jesus said to her, Go, call your husband and come here. And the woman answered him, I have no husband. And Jesus said to her, You are right in saying I have no husband, for you have had five husbands what you do not know, but we worship what we know, for salvation is from the Jews. But the hour is coming and is now here when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth, for the Father is seeking such people to worship him. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. And the woman said to him, I know that Messiah is coming who is called Christ, when he comes he will tell us all things and jesus said to her i who speak to you am he this is the gospel of our lord
2: we have an advocate with the father jesus is the propitiation for our sins
0: of the
2: sins of the people. Blessed is he whose transgression is forgiven and whose sin is put away.
0: He was he delivered, was
2: delivered up to him. death. He was delivered. advocate with the Father. Jesus is the propitiation for our sins. He was delivered up to death. He was delivered from the sins of our people.
1: to you and peace from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ our text for today from the fourth chapter of st. John these words the woman said to Jesus sir give me this water so that I won't get thirsty and have to keep coming here to draw water anymore this is our text dear friends in our Lord Jesus Christ Recently, I had to get out the battery cables to start one of the cars in our garage because someone had left the trunk open. It wasn't my car, it was the other one. And as I was putting the cable to the battery post, it reminded me of a story that I'd heard years ago about a man who stopped to help a woman alongside of the road, she'd flagged him down because she needed help with her car. She said, I can't get my car started, but I know what you can do if you'll just wiggle the wires on the battery there, the car will start. Well, the man grabbed the positive battery cable, and sure enough, it just about lifted right off the post. The cable was certainly too loose, and he said to the woman, all you have to do is, is have these terminal cables tightened up and everything will be fine so just if you have some tools in the car I might be able to help you with that no thanks the woman replied my husband says just jiggle the wires <laughs> and if you jiggle the wires it's all you have to do and the car will start and the man paused and he wondered why her husband didn't drive around in the car with her then so he could get out and jiggle the wires once in a while for her and he said to her ma'am if I just jiggle the wire you're going to have the same trouble every time you stop and you stop the car you're going to have to have someone go out and jiggle it again for you all you have to do is give me a wrench and give me a couple of minutes and I'll tighten the cable up and you'll be on your way and you won't have to worry about that again Reluctantly, when with grumbling under her breath she took a wrench out from under the front seat and she gave it to him of course then he tightened up the battery cable and all was fine and as he tightened it he was able to get over his frustration because he began thinking of the number of times in his own life that he was asking the Lord to do the same thing for him as the woman was asking him to do just to wiggle the wires a little bit Lord if you'll simply do that everything will be fine and then I can be on my way and it all sounds all too familiar doesn't it it sounds like all of us how often it is in our own lives that we're just like that we just say God if only you'll give us a quick fix if you'll just wiggle the wires a little bit don't need anything permanent done just wiggle the wires a little bit and all be on my way and all will be well whether it's our health problems just wiggle the wires Lord a little bit and all will be well or our marriage problems or our kid problems or our parent problems or our financial problems just that quick temporary fix that works for a while and we all seem to prefer those fixes just wiggle a few wires Lord and all will be well but God doesn't always wiggle the wires the way that we want him to does he? He doesn't always give us those quick fixes that we're looking for because in good part he wants to get down to the real problem behind those symptomatic problems that are there in our lives because you see our Lord is not a Lord of simple quick fixes our Lord who is one who desires to permanently fix that which is at the core and at the heart and is troubling us long term he's not simply a god for the here and now he's a god also for the hereafter and that's what he's most concerned with is that we have life and that we have it abundantly not just now but we have it abundantly and we have it eternally we have it for the long-term good and so he wants to go deeper than simply the surface symptoms the problems that are manifest and so obvious to us he wants to go deeper than that and get to the real problem he wants to get to the human problem and he does get to the human problem of sin because that's ultimately the cause and the cure the cause I should say of all of the problems that we have in life is that human element of sin all the rest simply being the symptoms that are there and so he doesn't always give us those quick fixes But in order to get to that problem, he allows us to go through them a bit until he brings us to confess our sins and enables us to see then that in this world we will have much tribulation. But fear not, he says, I've overcome this world and that the sufferings of this present time, which we will endure because we are sinners living in a fallen world, the sufferings of this present time, as St. Paul says, aren't worth comparing to the glory that shall be revealed to us in due time and if you wonder about that look at the woman of our text for today a woman who needed more than simply a couple of wires jiggled in order to fix her problem so that she could be on her way and back to her life as usual a life that was less than certainly what it should be the day was likely from what we can tell a day perhaps in December the year was very probably, as we figure the chronology of our Lord's life out, it was probably 27 AD, and so you got a day in December. 27 AD, a little town, little place, setting as a village well. Village wells were important back then because that's where people used to gather often. As they did, they'd linger long enough to catch up with one another on all the news. It became a meeting place because water was so important to them and was so hard to come by that when you would have a well dug, it was a precious place and was a place indeed for meeting in the morning and often again in the evening. And as they'd meet there, they'd linger and they'd talk about all of the news that they knew somewhat like those special places in small town USA with which those of us who ever lived in small towns are familiar I remember back in my small town in northern Minnesota that the men of the town would often gather at Ernie's Pool Hall and if you were a little more elite than that you would gather at Lundmarks Cafe and then all the kids would gather over at Peterson's Drugstore across the street and that's where the gathering places would be That's where you'd catch up on all those news items of the day. If you were really old, you'd sit outside of the post office on a bench and talk Norwegian. That's how you'd get the news of what was going on. Well, the village well in Sukar that we find in today's text was not a lot different from those places in small-town USA with which some of us are familiar. Early in the morning, in the cool of the day, the women of Sukkar would gather at that well just outside of town to draw their water for the day, or they would wait until late in the evening. Again, the cool of the day, cool early in the morning, cool late at night, and they would gather there and they would meet there to draw their water. After the sun had set, often they would do it that way too. And interestingly, the woman, though in our text, is not there either in the early morning or late in the day. The woman of our text, it says, is there at the sixth hour. Translate that into our modern terminology in the sixth hour is about noon. What's a woman doing there at noon? The hottest time of the day and the Samaritan woman is there at noon. It's not the time when you'd be there. Not unless you were trying to avoid others. Not unless you were being avoided by others. And this woman had reason to avoid others, and she was indeed avoided by others in Sukkar, the other women of Sukkar. They obviously wanted to have nothing to do with her. Why? Remember what today's gospel said of her? She, by her own admission, had a most checkered past. She had, according to what we're told, five husbands. And now she was living in a promiscuous relationship with the sixth man believe me that's small town news and she must have been the subject of many morning conversations at that well and many evening conversations at that well in that small town and as she arrives at the well all alone because of her own sin to be sure In the hottest hour of the day when she can go to the well not be laughed at and scorned because of her sin and understandably so she finds jesus there and jesus is all alone he had according to our text been traveling with the disciples he'd come into this little town they arrived there at about noon heat of the day jesus disciples go into town to buy some things and Jesus stays out there at the well. This whole thing had been prearranged by our Lord, who knows all things. And he was coming to the greatest of sinners in order to show his mercy and his grace, even unto the greatest of sinners, because that's the way the grace of God works. It extends to us all. And so she arrives at the well. His disciples, having gone to town to buy some food, tired from the journey, he stops. He sees her. He asks her, Will you give me a drink? And she replies, But you're a Jew. And I'm a Samaritan woman. This isn't supposed to be happening, that we're even talking to one another. You ask me for a drink? It seems like a rather rude reply that she gives him when she says, You ask me for a drink, but it's not rude at all. When you remember the customs of the day that prohibited men from speaking with unrelated or unfamiliar women, especially women of this sort who were known to be publicly promiscuous, unthinkable, that a man would speak with her, let alone a Jewish man because she was Samaritan and there was no love lost between the Jews and the Samaritans a people who did not like each other at all now I suppose that Jesus could have left it at that and he could have simply drawn water for himself and ended the conversation there I suppose he could have simply wiggled the wires a bit and quickly fix the situation by assuring her that he'd tell no one that she'd been speaking to him to a Jewish man there in public and all she'd have to do is get him the water and she wouldn't be the talk of the town the next day then he could have wiggled the wires a little bit to, to fix the situation for her so that she could go back to what she was doing be on her way and do what she'd been doing all along living the life that she'd lived but remember our Lord Is not a wire wiggler. Our Lord is a life fixer. There was a life here that needed a lot of fixing and so in spite of her suggestion that the conversation end, Jesus does just the opposite. He's not going to let her stop here. He hasn't done his work in her life. He's not going to deal with the symptom he wants the root core problem to be dealt with. He's not going to let the conversation end and so instead of ending it like she is suggesting be done, he continues on with it. In fact, you can look at all the conversations that our Lord had with anybody in Scripture, and interestingly enough, throughout all of the Gospels, this is the longest conversation that he has with anyone. At least recorded. The longest conversation recorded with any individual in the Gospels. Here, with this Samaritan woman, this sinner, our Lord had a long-term solution in mind for this sinner not a temporary pair that was going to relieve her leave her miserable life unchanged And so he starts talking to her and he talks to her about living water looking at the water of Jacob's well he says everyone who drinks this water is going to be thirsty again but whoever drinks the water that I give him will never Thirst. He takes that which is at hand and he ties his eternal truths to it, to that water that's there. Indeed, he says, the water that I'll give to him will become in him a spring of water that will well up into everlasting life. What a refreshing conversation begins as the Lord in his grace begins it with this sinner. You see what Jesus does? He moves her from the mundane matters of life. He causes her to see what he desires her to see there in that well, the spiritual realities of her soul that will ultimately and eternally destroy her unless something is reversed and unless something is changed in her, a change surely that she can't bring about for herself, but a change that Christ is going to bring about her and beginning that very day. And it's all going to happen because he is, she is going to become connected to him. He's that living water that springs up into eternal life. And without that connection, it won't happen. Without a trust connection with him, it simply will not occur. It'll be a quick fix, and it would not be a lasting change. Because you have to be firmly connected with Christ. For the power of his love and for the power of his forgiveness to flow continuously day in and day out to the sinner's soul, and that certainly was true for that woman there. She needed to be permanently connected with him so that he could indeed cleanse her and reform her and transform her. Only then would her future be different from her past. Only then would her future be eternally secure. He leads her then to acknowledge, first of all, her sins, to confess her sins, just as you've done this morning. To confess your sin before him in thought and word and deed. And that's what Jesus leads her to do. And he starts talking to her about her sinful past. And the same thing is true with us, isn't it? A loose connection with Christ simply is not going to do. He desires it to be far more than a loose connection that you call upon him whenever you need him for some earthly thing he wants to indeed does by his grace bring us into that relationship with him that confesses sins he desires it to be far more for us than a convenient mechanic who follows around after us jiggling our wire whenever it needs jiggling following at a distance until we need him and call upon him that's not what he would be for us faith firmly connects us day in and day out with Jesus Christ, just as the cable from the battery to the car carries the current that keeps the car going, so God's word that you hear, God's sacraments that you receive, are those divine means that run in that divine cable by which God's love and forgiveness goes from the cross of Calvary to each and to every one of you. And that connection of faith needs to be a firm connection that's made and maintained and it happens because of his word and the sacrament through which all of that flows it's not a loose wire connection it's a firm connection that our lord desires to be there and as long as that divine charge is flowing from christ through his word and his sacraments to our souls and as long as they're being then charged and kept spiritually alive by God, we're also charged by his Holy Spirit so that even though our bodies are worn down and our bodies are worn out from the effect of sin in our lives, we still have within us, as he tells us today in the gospel, that well of water that springs up into everlasting life. Don't underestimate the value of what God has already been working within you from the day you were baptized by water and His Word, that water that already then in baptism began to spring up within you into everlasting life, don't underestimate the power of what God's Word will accomplish through the simple means that He gives to work. Don't underestimate the value of what Christ is doing for you through His Word and through His sacraments. It has eternal implications for you. He's so much more to us than simply a wiggler of the wire, who's handy to have around when the going gets tough. He's life for us. He's eternal life for us. No matter what our pasts have been, no matter how sinful we have been, no matter how sinful and sordid they, our past have been, like the woman at the well, Jesus desires to make and to maintain that divine connection of faith with us. And once that divine connection is firmly made, once we've been grounded in Christ by faith and have that love of his flowing from the cross to us day in and day out through his word and sacraments, then we have God's power too, his power to sustain us and to maintain us and to keep us uh, throughout life. And throughout all of those things that would otherwise prevail over us even as they would have over that woman at the well those things that leave us feeling at times as though we're alone separated from others but never alone really because Christ is always there sustaining us and keeping us and seeing us to the end no matter how thirsty it might seem that we are he is always there to quench that thirst for us in the southern part of our state there's and many of you have seen it that vast waste wonderland known as Death Valley. It was given that name by the various survivors of wagon trains that crossed over the plains in the famous gold rush in the 1840s. The desert is one of the most magnificent places of interest indeed in our country, perhaps in the whole world. Upon the peaks that surround the valley gleam a cataract of color, especially in the spring which is soon upon us, the rose and the blue, blending with the gold of the desert sunset, can be the most beautiful place. The valley itself lies 270-some feet below sea level at its lowest spots in the United States. It's the lowest spot there is. Geologists tell us that it was once an inland sea, but now for seemingly endless miles, it's a mass of sand dunes, scorching heat, with temperatures rising as a high as 134-135 degrees in the shade, the shade so hot in fact the National Geographic describes how birds flying over it will suddenly just fall out of the air because it is so hot. And yet this fiery desert is not the Death Valley the travelers once thought it to be. But the pioneers who lost their lives in those burning sands didn't know was that just below the surface of that valley there are two rivers that are running they're flowing rivers with fresh streams, springs, springs that are popping up all over the place that feed the spiny cactus that store up that life-giving water whoever drinks the water that i give him jesus says will never thirst indeed the water i give him will be in him a spring of water that wells up into everlasting life how often in our days of illness in our days of bereavement and our days of disappointment or disillusionment or despair or perplexity in days of loneliness or sorrow or guilt over sin or regrets over the past when it seems that we were alone in death valley in a wasted wilderness how often we have found those two rivers of god's grace in our lives flowing just under the surface. His word and his sacraments bringing us everything he did for us upon the cross of Calvary sustaining us when otherwise it seems like we would most certainly dry up and perish. By God's grace in our day we have through faith what that woman at the well had right in front of her in her day. We have through his word and sacraments, the same Lord Jesus Christ that stood before her. We have Christ, and in him we have that spring of water that wells up to life everlasting. That's why the hymnist of old put it this way, and he said, I heard the voice of Jesus say, Behold, I freely give. The living water, thirsty one, stoop down and drink and live. And I came to Jesus and I drank of that life-giving stream. My thirst was quenched, my soul revived, and now I live in him. May that be the life song of each of us. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Um yeah. salvation because you have revealed it to us from above we do confess that Jesus is the Christ the son of the living God who by his suffering and death has taken away the sins of all the world from this rock which you have struck you have caused to flow the living water of our salvation by regular use of your word and sacraments may your people drink of it and be ever refreshed and satisfied in faith rejoicing week upon week and day after day in the peace which we now have in christ jesus our lord lord in your mercy
0: hear our prayer
1: O father of abundant blessings preserve your people from harboring faithless doubts and questioning your presence in their lives in times of doubt by your holy spirit remind us that even while we were yet enemies you sent your only begotten son to die for us give us the voice of faith to wait upon you The mercies you bestow according to your infinite wisdom and through the faithful voice of your own, reassure all who do doubt of your constant presence with us in word and sacraments. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. O God of the nations, establish justice and peace in the countries of our world. Give wisdom, humility, and direction to those who govern our land, guide our president, legislature, and judiciary, that they may serve the common good by neither abandoning their given duties nor overreaching their given powers by them establish and maintain harmony within our borders lord in your mercy hear our prayer the lord of creation we give you thanks for the rains that have recently watered the earth and nurtured the crops which will be harvested in their season and then be set before us upon our tables to enjoy grant us always to recognize your hand at work in the everyday events of this life and give to us ever thankful hearts as creatures who rely wholly upon your hand of blessing, Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Heavenly Father, keep safe all of our families, keep all harm and danger far from them. Bless those who have pledged their loving commitment to each other and are now preparing for their exchange of marital vows. Grant your blessings to all married couples, including Jim and Veronica Lenfer, who celebrate their 12th anniversary. And Pastor John and Rachel Vestal, celebrating their seventh anniversary, that their lives together may be blessed with wisdom and purity, self-sacrifice and love. Be with all young persons so that they may grow in grace and in the knowledge of your word, uphold and increase the faith of those increasing years, bring weakness, anxiety, distress, loneliness. Be the rock and the refuge of your people as they face unique challenges in all the times of life. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Lord of life, Lord of healing. Bring healing to the body where it is needed. Be with your servant, Bud Balzer, who will undergo cataract surgery tomorrow. Continue to bless your children, recovering from every medical procedure. Be with those who are sick or bound to their homes, to to infirmity. Comfort those suffering grave illnesses, including Fred Hine and Chris Hines. For these all, be their stability, be their firm foundation, And prepare them to embrace in faith whatever healing or further approach to heaven you lovingly allow in their lives lord in your mercy hear our prayer into your hands O father we commend all for whom we pray trusting then in your mercy through jesus christ your son our lord who has taught us to pray together our father who art in heaven hallowed be thy name thy kingdom come
2: The Lord be with you. And
1: Let us pray. O Lord, our Heavenly Father, Almighty and Everlasting God, you have safely brought us to the beginning of this day. Defend Amen. us in the same with your mighty power, and grant that this day we fall into no sin neither run into any kind of danger, but but that all our doings, being ordered by your governors, may be righteous in your sight. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen.